The one thing I have to say I don't like about this tablet. Yeah. It is my choice too. Uh, I bought the touch cover, not the type cover. Yeah. The touch cover is basically a piece of uh, material, like a uh, felt suede material, mm-hmm. with no with keys on it. But the keys aren't pressable keys; they're like touch keys. It's like a flat surface. You, if you press down the, t- the type on. Okay. And it's a little hard to type accurately. Yeah. I mean, it works in a pinch, but at the same time, it's uh, it's not 100% accurate. I mean. It is a brilliant piece of tech because the idea of you having a soft cover you can use as a as a uh, typing tool as well as it being a cover for your screen is brilliant. And it does work for most quick usages if I only use this to like draw. And what I love about this is I can use Photoshop in it and it works great. And yeah, this is actually one of my favorite art purchases in the last five years. It's got a real, it's got, it's got a real, it's got a tablet experience, it's got a desktop experience at the same time because I can use all my programs on it. You know, it's, mm-hmm. um, I'm sorry if I'm sounding like a salesman for this damn thing, but I'm actually no, really. No, it's okay. The funny thing is, Fess said he knew a guy that uh, that bought one of these tablets and returned it in like a a week because it didn't have Photoshop a Win Tab support, mm-hmm. that, which means that the pressure sensitive didn't work in in Photoshop. But it works in every other program in the world. The thing is this. Uh, just last week, it got that support. They updated the driver, and now it works. See, I was going to say, it's like, even if they didn't do that, there's usually something you can find on the internet that'll add it. Yeah. Because I had, I had a version of, of my last computer. I actually could not get the tablet to actually function with it, and I just went online, and I was like, Okay, here's someone who made a driver to make it work, and that's how I got my my last computer to uh, accept the Wacom. See, that's the thing. It's like, why do you spend this much money? You're like, okay, I'm ready to go. I'm getting something that's a replacement for a portable laptop and a drawing tool. Mm-hmm. You spend this much, and then it's like, oh, it I can't make it work this one way, and I'm just gonna give up. Well, that's fast throwing his arms up when he can't figure out the answer immediately. I helped someone at, uh, at work design a T-shirt. And once he saw the T-shirt, he was like, whoa, let me send the T-shirt to you. Uh, One of my bosses at work plays lots of tennis, so he requested this shirt. Because apparently there was a guy making some bad calls during a game, and he got pissed off. He's like, Ben, design me this shirt. I'm like, okay. This kind of reminded me of a funny thing that happened a few years ago. My my friend was in a band, and this this guy designed designed a T-shirt for them. But he, he, but the image he gave them was like low res. I was like, Mike, that's never gonna work. They went back to the guy, and what he did was he, he went into Photoshop, and he just blew up the picture and gave it back to them. And I'm like, that, that's still not gonna work. That, that's kind of a dick thing to do. That's yeah. A dick so move. what I did was I, because it was just like it was just like a, like a monocolor thing. I was like, why don't I just redraw the whole thing? I'll just use his blown up picture and I'll like draw. I'll use like the draw tool to like go over it, make it look high res, and I basically copied his whole his whole drawing. Or no, it wasn't a drawing. It was a it was an X-ray of a pelvis. But they had photoshopped an X-ray of a foot sticking up through the asshole. So I traced over this whole thing and gave it back to them, and it pretty much looked like the original X-ray. And they printed the shirt, but they never told the guy that I did this because they were afraid of offending him. Ooh. Uh, so nobody really knew about this until today. Me no no. My my sketch work with on uh, in Photoshop using the tablet is pretty nice. It, it 
it's weird if you depending on what brush you use it, it like actually looks like a pencil work mm. and then i can like cut stuff up and move stuff around if like if i draw like a head a little a little too much to one side on the shoulders i can straighten it out yeah that's one thing i definitely like about about this yeah. tool yeah. is it it definitely makes me feel like i'm actually compensating for my shortcomings as a as an artist with digital tools now versus versus you know the the love of purity of doing it the old fashioned way i'm starting to see the light yeah. if i can if i draw one arm too long i can cut 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 and shorten it up yeah i love that and yeah and i love the, the, i love the polygonal lasso and that's the thing it's uh, sketchbook pro has that too and it's actually really nice really really nice oh uh i was have you watched Epic Mealtime? Um, no. Ah, it's a, it's a web show. It's actually one of the most profitable web shows in the world about these guys that uh, cook these disgusting fast food uh, casserole based meals. Like they made a fast food lasagna out of baconators and Big Macs. Yeah. And chili and uh, bacon. And and. They actually had an episode where they kidnapped J- Jamie Oliver, okay, who's a who's a famous British TV chef, which is actually really surprising that he agreed to be on this show because it's he he's freaking Jamie Oliver. He his whole stick is making making school lunches healthy. <laughs> so and then all of a sudden he, here he is on Epic Meal Time where they kidnap him and throw him in a in a in a refrigerator. While they're cooking this fast, like a giant, like they cook the giant filet fish. Okay. Out of lots of smaller filet fish. That's pretty gross looking. <laughs> you wouldn't want a slice of that? No. Okay. You're a health food guy? Not really, but. Do you have any juniors around there? Juniors? Carl juniors? No. Oh. No, I, I, they're not in the Midwest, I don't think. Uh, White Castle? Yeah, we have White Castle around here. I don't eat there. Uh, you don't eat at the White Castle? I have a friend who lives out in California, and one night we were talking on AOL Instant Messenger, and she goes, uh, boy, I could really go for some In-N-Out. And I go, yeah, me too. And we don't have In-N-Out here in the Midwest, so she pauses and she's like, Wait, are we even talking about the same thing? The Webcast Beacon Network has been covering and promoting creativity and the creative process since 2007, starting with the Webcomic Beacon, a topical webcomics podcast with a jovial bunch of misfits like your local morning radio show. Also, the Webcomic Beacon Newscast, recaps, reviews, and discussions of community and industry news relative to comic creators, especially of digital distribution. Also, the Tropecast, the ever-tangential discussion of literary and and visual memes. And finally, Web Fiction World. Before webcomics, there was independent and self-published web-release written fiction and literature. Find this all at webcastbeacon.com. Be sure to grab a master RSS feed or master iTunes feed and not miss a thing. Hello and welcome to another episode of Animation Aficionados. Uh, tonight we are talking about uh, the Book of Virtues and other learning cartoons. Uh, this is your host, Ben, joined by co-host, TV's Mr. Neil. <laughs> Needed some three stooges in there. Yeah, it's uh the opposite of what we're gonna talk about today. Yes, it's uh I I think one of the biggest downfalls in certain cartoons is is when someone tries to, to do an educational cartoon, especially when that person is a teacher. Uh, yeah. Or or anybody like that, they they have the wrong idea of how to do it. The best way you can teach somebody 
is to get them interested in the subject matter mm-hmm. and a cartoon. This isn't even like teaching ABCs or or uh, or any of that shit. This is this is teaching uh, a moral message, and it's just done in a really hammy way. It's uh... <sighs> Neil, it's, help me out here. It's it's done explicitly to teach a lesson, and it's done by people who have. I'm going to say agenda, but I'm going to explain myself here because there there are people who who look at like look at mediums like cartoons and video games, and they don't see it for what it is. They don't see it as like an artistic expression or a, or something you do in your in your downtime. You know, something you do when you know you just want to relax. They go, hmm, this can be this can be used to to serve society. You know, video games. They could be they could be used to teach social skills and and hand-eye coordination and it's like that's not why we play video games okay sarkeesian yeah yeah i'm kind of cross-referencing sarkeesian here but it's the same problem here it's someone who goes hmm cartoons can be used to teach lessons and they don't see what's wrong with this and i'm like you have a liberal arts degree don't you and and as a result they're not really thinking about animation as an art form and thus you have you have stuff that looks like this where it's just flatly drawn crap and it looks like uh, i don't even know how to describe the way these cartoon characters are designed it's like non-designs it's like someone who maybe went to art school and got all the creativity sucked out of them because you, you look at how how like uh how looney tunes or even something like animaniacs which is more recent how those cartoons are drawn, it's like nothing like this. Even Filmation looks better than this. And, well, barely. But <laughs> it's just it's just so terrible. And on top of that, they're using some studio. I didn't get a, I didn't get a chance to see what studio it was. Obviously overseas. <laughs> and obviously someone who some studio that did not get very good cues from the uh, from the production studio. You know, they did not get like. Uh, model sheets that were very descriptive of what of what expressions were supposed to look like it's like you had the very basic ones like happy sad angry maybe perplexed but like there's there's nothing there's nothing here to actually aid the animators and like making real expressions so everything looks everything looks very zombie like it's just very it's this is some terrible animation is what i'm saying and then you have these cartoon characters and these are not like what what I mean is like animal cartoon characters, and these are not like again, this is not like Warner Brothers type characters. This is like someone who drew like sort of a photorealistic animal and just barely cartoonified it. Yeah, and and the thing is, it's using old fables and stories, and that doesn't really help because. Because how many people do you know go to Aesop anymore for for moral messages or anything? It's it, it's it's such a weird thing to go to, and and I'd, I'd rather people who are interested in those kind of messages actually like go to the library and start reading books and stuff mm-hmm. versus having it in a cartoon because because it's because what the cartoon does is it tries to update it a little bit and it's it's weird and. And this particular episode of Book of Virtues Neil and I suffered through is where this boy idolizes a football player. And the football player is this perfect guy who 
who helps out at, at the children's hospital, who, who's going to show up at this kid's school, and the kid is given the job, and he idolizes the football player, and he's given the job to clean, clean up this auditorium after, like, some kind of bender happened. Yeah, it was like a bunch of six-year-olds had, like, a had like a, a beer bong party or something. <laughs> it was, like, the most wrecked auditorium I've ever seen. The chairs were all lined up neat in a row, but there was, like, there were like drawings on the wall and there was ripped up paper everywhere and gum on the seats. And it was like, what the hell happened in this room? It was like, it was like six year old animal house. Yeah, it was. <laughs> and so he, he has, he volunteers to help any way he can because he realizes this is a player. He's given the job to clean up this auditorium. And I, I know it's a public school, but don't they still have janitorial staff? They do. And they're, I'm not going to say their jobs aren't, aren't, hard but it, they're not this hard and at the same time it's like the chairs are already lined up nice and neat so there's like already a your mind starts playing tricks like this i know it's a fucking cartoon i know it's for kids but it's like was does this mean that there was already like a party here with, with all the chairs and shit it's like yeah it's like okay if the auditorium was that was that messed up why would you set the chairs out like, yeah because they were all folding chairs it's not like they were bolted to the, to the ground yeah so they set up the auditorium wouldn't you sweep up before you set up the chairs? Makes it easier. I mean, obviously the answer to this is that, again, we're not dealing with someone who thinks visually. We're thinking with someone who thinks so. This is a cartoon that we're going to use to, to teach a message. What does an auditorium look like? Well, an auditorium has chairs, so we'll put chairs in there. And yeah. they're not really thinking about whether or not this makes sense. Yes. So the boy is told t two stories by Bison. Bison! <laughs> and the first story is an Aesop fable about the Traveler and the Bear. And it's it's a lot, a lot of it is, is filler. I mean, both stories are actually filler. Because the, the main message is basically, you promise to do something, you do it. The second story is about a knight watching a castle, and he's tempted to to go off and fight against giants. And because he refused to leave, the, his castle isn't sieged or anything. And that's both stories. Yeah. And both stories yeah. are basically you do what you promise to do. And and the biggest thing is you do what you promise to do anyways, because if you don't, people will stop, you know, wanting to talk to you. Yeah. You know, you, you made that comment earlier about, you know, if you're interested in moral messages, you should go to the library. I wouldn't say that, but. The, I wouldn't say moral is, messages. I'm saying Aesop's fables because well, a lot yeah. of them don't have moral messages. Yeah, they don't. But there are ways to to put morality into cartoons without being hammy like this. It's just this is just straight up preaching. You know, it's like you know the 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 PSAs that are at the end of every filmation cartoon. This is like one of those stretched out to 30 minutes. Or Sailor Moon says. Yeah, the Sailor Moon says, which was literally tacked on to the American cartoon because obviously the Japanese cartoon didn't have that. Well, Sailor Moon doesn't exactly have a moral message built in like Macross did. Yeah. I yeah. mean, what would the moral message be? Today's episode is about cross-dressing. <laughs> we, we were talking over the cartoon, so I didn't... There were parts of the cartoon that didn't make sense, but I kind of missed what was going on. It's like, there was there was like part of the first story where they were on a ship and Something happened where they had to evacuate the ship. It was like stormy, but the ship wasn't sinking. 
and it was like they were they were the three survivors and there were clearly like a a row of paddles on the side of the ship so there were more people on the ship so I was like what were they were they the only people on the ship and if so what happened or I don't know well and that was a story within a story though basically it was the one guy talking tough about oh I would help you with this situation and that situation <laughs> I love the the family guy ass cutaway where he's like the one guy's like oh this is a this is a nice jungle, and he was clearly in a forest or something. That's another thing. Like, every forest in this cartoon looks exactly the same. But he was in a forest, and he gets attacked by a tiger. And and in this imaginary tale, his, his friend shows up and punches the tiger in the mouth. Yes. It's like, that's not how you deal with a tiger. Maybe a mountain lion, but not a tiger. Uh, you don't want to punch him. What, what you do with a mountain lion is you try to look bigger than you are. Yeah. Well, there were there are signs in Colorado that, and 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 uh, oh, I don't know what other states you run into a mountain lion, but there are literally signs out there that say, you know, if if you're ever confronted by a mountain lion, look bigger than you are, shout at it, you know, throw sticks and rocks at it. If it attacks you, fight back. <laughs> it's it, I know it's like it's it's actually good advice, but it is funny if you read it. <laughs> well, that's exactly what you have to do though, because <laughs> because predatory cats don't. You know, the play dead thing means they start eating you. Yeah. Speaking of which, they did that with a with the bear in this cartoon. I I don't know if you that, that I think that's a myth that needs to be. Uh, it it is a myth. You know okay. what the best way to deal with a bear is? <laughs> what have a gun? Okay, the second best way to deal with a bear is uh, <laughs> is you run downhill. Ah. Bears slow down when they're going downhill because they feel they feel uh, uneven. On the on the down downward slope. Yeah. So they slow down a lot. He's like 800 pound bear. You know, if he loses his footing, he's gonna be fucked. Yeah. <laughs> so so yeah. there's your moral message right here. If a bear is chasing you, run downhill. Okay. Or have a gun. A rifle. Well, yeah. You know, even my 45 would probably bounce off its skull. Yeah. Yeah, bears. Yeah, you don't want to. You you want to have something that's pretty powerful. Otherwise, you're just gonna make it mad. Well, enough shots, and you'll finally. But the thing is, you'll it'll probably hurt, maim you with its dying breath. Yeah. That's why you want to put it down. Yes. <laughs> or run down, downhill. Yes. So, so there's your fucking moral message. <laughs> so where were we? Play dead with a bear. It's yeah. It's uh, that's a myth. Um, and uh, let's see. Uh, basically, the problems with this cartoon, the most learning cartoons. The other problems are uh, are are also the way that they're telling the stories. If this thing was basically, oh, we're just going to show you a different story or 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 something from some mythology or, or from Aesop's fables or from from uh, this culture, we're just going to show these stories just anyway. Without this storytelling device of two kids talking with woodland creatures, you might actually have something a little bit better because you might have something that's like trying to teach about different cultures and different uh, stories and fables and stuff like that. You might actually have something that's actually a little artistic integrity. You know what I mean? I, I think that's the one thing that really turns me off on this shit is the is the whole uh, storytelling device. Of here are these kids with modern age that have modern day problems, and here is the here is the bison and his friends telling them ancient stories to help them. Yeah, and these stories are barely related to the main story. It was like 
it was like based on this story of this guy who couldn't keep his promise and protect his friend, you should clean up the auditorium. <laughs> it was like what? <laughs> and I mean, even they, the kid was pointing this out. Yeah, and it was it was I mean I could I could make the connection, but it was very weak. It was like, okay, you do what you say you can do and keep your promises. I understand that, but it was like the story it it was you you would have to like wait you would have to like think about it for like a minute and then you would get it. Whereas if they had just come up with a story that wasn't based on Aesop, you know, they could have found something that was more relatable. Well, even then it doesn't show the real life equivalent of what would have really happened because yeah. the football player would have should have been a real asshole in real life. Yeah, he really should have. And the kids should have been like bummed out, but then, you know, realizes, you know what, I actually feel good because I did the right thing. Yeah, that would have been, see, that's the way you do that. You don't do it this hammy way. You do it where the kid, you know, realizes that his hero is not, is not who he thought he was and, and that he's actually the better person for, for doing the job he was asked and he doesn't, he doesn't have to live up to this idol that he was, that he was uh, worshiping at the beginning of the cartoon. This false idol, if yeah, you this false idol who's actually an asshole, whose but imagery course, he has pla- plastered all over his room. Yeah, in, but instead, this guy is like, this guy is like, perfect in every way, and he comes in, and he's like jacked to shit. It's like <laughs> this guy, this guy had like literally had like twenty four inch pythons. <laughs> well, the thing is, the problem is the animators didn't know that all you know the reason why football players look bulky. Is because of all that padding shit. Yeah, you take that off. I mean, I mean, good example is Troy Aikman. It's who I actually saw in real life before. Um, is you know, he he looks big, and, and that's even in the quarterback padding, which isn't as big, and it also gives more arm movement so he can throw. You know, even in that shit, he looks big, but out of it, he's his, his shoulders are about as wide as my shoulders. Yeah, exactly. I mean. I- if you, if you see a, a football player who looks like that, steroids, period. Like I said, most of it is padding. It's yes. the it's those shoulder pads. It's it's a it's an overseas animator who didn't understand what the football player looked like, and I'm gonna blame it on the American side too because they sent the assets over there and they were like, this is what this guy looks like, and clearly nobody who produced this ever saw a football game before. Right. And like I said, the best way to do this is actually tell an interesting story where, where, you, where you don't always get rewarded in, in the in the physical sense of oh, you know I did something good and I get reward. You don't get you, you don't give if you really want to teach morals. You don't do the Palov's dog philosophy of you ring the bell and you get food. You know. And, which is what this is doing. This is reinforcing the idea that if you always do the right thing, you're always 100% all the time rewarded. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't even catch that. Yeah, that's right. And like I said, if they made the football player an asshole, they might have had something. Because the best way you can teach a moral message to say is say integrity is what you do when no one's looking. Mm-hmm. And that, that's what my dad always t- told me is, which, which, which means exactly what it sounds like. It means okay. Yeah, I don't have to clean all the corners, but if I do, that means I did a good job. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, I could cut this corner here, but and no one will know, but I'll know. And and that's the best way to teach morals. You know, you, you show, okay, yes, the asshole gets ahead in life, but in the end, 
in the end, you're a better person. And that, that's the best right. way to do it. And not this hammy, oh, the football player who's perfect in every way, just like a just like a teacher and a and a singer sleeping in bed not having sex. <laughs> you know, if somebody if somebody I'm not even gonna say his name, but if somebody like alerts him to this and tells him that we, we made fun of him on this podcast, and if he comments, I'm just gonna ban him. <laughs> that that guy is permanently banned from any website that I that I'm on. And Ouch. I told him this too, I'm like you're an asshole and you're banned from like anything I do ever. <laughs> and the the listeners right now have no idea who we're talking about. And you're lucky. Yes, it's um the original manga is better. <laughs> Cuz it actually has sex in it. But anyways, back to Book of Virtues. <laughs> <laughs> Snap. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, back to the Book of Virtues. Uh yes, that's that was quite a segue, but that that's part of the problem is the unbelievable nice nicety, you know, mm-hmm. of <laughs> and some of and, and you know I can understand in some of the fables being like that, but when you're back in the you know the 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 storytelling vehicle part of it, mm-hmm. you, you have to have that where where the real world sort of cr- crashes down a little bit and 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 the kid realizes you know it, the South Park moment of you know what I learned something today, actually. The funny thing is, South Park is better at this. Yeah, South Park is way better at this. Wow. Yes, parents, if you're okay with your kids learning curses and telling them not to repeat them in public, South Park is better at teaching moral messages than Book of Virtues. And South Park is fucking prophetic. I mean, <laughs> there there was like, <laughs> there was like the one episode where they went into the future and like, and they were like. It was like Richard Dawkins was like was like they had a one group of atheists and there was like like some other group that was like another group of atheists and they were like at war with each other. I'm like, and at the time I saw it, I was mildly annoyed. And then atheism plus happened, and I was like, ooh, and, they, and, they and, called we're, it. <laughs> we're all we're all three atheist groups are battling over what to call themselves. Yeah, and, and I was like, okay, yeah, like one it, South it, Park. <laughs> What I love is, is you know, after Cartman changed the future to where atheism doesn't exist and and everyone understands that isms cause wars. Yeah. And they're like, and so Cartman's like, wow, you don't have wars anymore? And, and the and the uh, author's like, no, of course we still have wars. The, the, those damn uh, French Chinese think they have a right to Hawaii. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, so what South Park teaches you is is the moral message, but then says, and by the way, the world's still not perfect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and of course, South Park also did the smoking episode, which I think was the best smoking message ever. Okay, yeah, smoking does shorten your life, but you know what? That's someone's choice. Mm-hmm. And what I love is how they have Rob Reiner complaining about the evils of smoking. Yeah. And while he's talking, he's shoveling food down his gullet. <laughs> I know. And like I said, South Park is much better at this. Right. And even Neil has to admit that their atheism episode was actually right. It was to a point, yes. <laughs> <laughs> atheism plus, Neil. I know. That that part they got right. The shit was, coming out of the mouth part, you know, that was going too far. That was a different episode. Was it? I thought yes. It was- no, 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 that was a different episode. Oh. 
That was the cat. That was the Catholicism episode. Oh, Completely that's different. right. Okay. Where basically it called out Catholicism for all these weird rituals that aren't even really yeah. part of Christianity. <laughs> and I'm not going to bitch about Christianity in this episode because um, that's for another show. <laughs> because I might join it. Maybe we should steer back to the topic before we start hitting the synoptic problem. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, and I'm actually I'm actually deist, so there. Okay, so go on. Um, God, where were we? Um, Book of Virtues, uh, wrong. South Park, right? Yeah. But well, let's talk about the uh, the knight who was guarding the castle. He was like, uh, this is another case of he was the only one there, and somehow. He was able to guard the castle all by himself, and there were three people who tried to draw him away from the castle, and somehow somehow drawing him away from the castle would totally allow them to storm it and take it over, but goddammit, they just can't get by that one guy. <laughs> and again, it's it's another case of the cartoon makers not really thinking about, does this make sense? It was like, this has to serve a message, so therefore... Let's not even think about it. Here's here's what a castle looks like. And it, by the way, this this was like this was like the most low rent castle I think I've ever seen. It was like it was like the size of a duplex. It was, <laughs> it was smaller than Castle Grayskull. It was. It was like <laughs> it was like the the drawbridge maybe took up a third of the horizontal space in the front of the castle. And there was like this tiny moat that went around the castle that was like I wouldn't even I wouldn't even like call it like the span of a river. It was like if you if you like made a really good jump, you could probably get over it. Yeah. It, it was like it, it was a cartoon <laughs> castle. Let's just put it that way. It was like five-year-old logic. The the way this castle was designed. <laughs> and it was just like in the middle of the forest, you know, no no uh no town anywhere. It was like <sighs> I I think the castle basically existed so that there could be a throne inside. I don't I don't see how there was room for anything else. <laughs> there was yeah. room for a throne room. Yeah. <laughs> and somehow taking over the castle would cause the good guys to lose, but we're not really sure why. It's like darn, yeah, it's... we'll have to go find somewhere else to live that is probably much bigger than this. <laughs> well, that was a lot of stone they had to build. Anyways, um. Uh... Yeah, overall, I would not recommend the Book of Virtues for anyone ever for anything. It's And the sad thing is just the voice acting talent they were able to get. You know, I didn't recognize anyone in the show. Granted, it was probably because we were ripping on it the whole time. <laughs> but I didn't recognize any voices. Oh, you didn't recognize Frank Walker? Um, Who was he? Uh, he was... Uh, uh, let's see, Frank Walker voiced... Uh... See, you're having to look the, it the up. Bobcat. Oh, he was the Bobcat. He was the Bobcat. Wow. Um, Jim Cummings was the Prairie Dog. See, they they didn't want Jim Cummings to be the Bobcat because because then he would just been bonkers. It oh, oh, and Kevin Michael Richardson was the, the was Bison. He was Bison. Kevin Michael. Yes. <laughs> this is delicious. No wait, that's that's the other guy. <laughs> Oh wow, poor Kevin Michael Richardson. Oh boy, <laughs> this really was terrible. It was. Are we getting redundant? I think we are. We we are getting because we're just exasperated after having watched it. It was like, what what is this? What 
Well, the animation was shit. The color palette was dull. It was it was about as devolved as cartoons could get. It, take the the lamest, most generic looking cartoon that was ever produced in the '90s, and this is pretty much it. And yes, it is does feel like we're picking on something, but it, I know this is a PBS show, and we're like, but you know what? PBS used to do good shit. I mean, back when there was the uh, back when Jim Henson was alive. Well, that's because it was Jim Henson, and Jim Henson, Jim Henson cared about education, but he also had a wicked sense of humor, and he could. I think it was that he couldn't help but exercise his sense of humor in whatever he did. One thing that struck me is the logo looks like Survivor. It does. <laughs> you know, like I saw this before. You throw your head sideways a little bit, right? Yeah. It's like, is this the logo from Survivor? But yeah, this is this is uh, I jokingly call this the agnostic Christian cartoon. Oh, and there are a lot of those too. Because it's it's not purely Christian. It actually does some Bible stories. Oh really? Yeah, they from various sources include the Bible, fairy tales, fables, mythology. So it's it's actually like Catholicism. So it grabs stuff from everything. <laughs> In a way, I kind of like I kind of <laughs> like when they do that. It was just like it was like from various mythologies, including the Bible. And then then your, your Christian is like, what, what? What? I mean, the, the Bible says there's only one God, and then you worship this guy that sits in Rome. Well, again, we're we're kind of entering like dangerous territory here because because the whole monotheism here you you might want to stay away from the uh book of genesis because uh not exactly a single god in that book but anyway well well we had khan with with torpedo and uh wrong genesis anyways uh yeah it's um, imagine imagine like i said you know aesop's fables most of them aren't really morality stories. I think I think the best cartoons ever based on Aesop were the uh, were the Aesop and Son cartoons from the old J. Ward studio. They were, they were, yeah. but uh, but Fractured, a good exa- fractured Fairy Tales. A, a good example of, of of an Aesop story is the one about the bird in the pitcher of water, where the bird puts stones in the pitcher of water so he could take a drink. Yeah. Because is there a moral message there, or is, it, is that a clever story about a bird being smart? It's a clever story about a bird being smart, and if you kind of look at it sideways, it's like, oh, it's also teaching kids about volume. Yes, and outside the box thinking. Yeah, and and really, that that's that's the interesting things. It's uh, that's really that's really what the problem I have with this sort of thing is is you lose some of that that essence of of Aesop when when you decide that it's a morality play. Yeah. And and lots of the other things like there's also uh, you know uh, I don't know if there's any stories from you know Confucian that, Confucius in here right? because Confucius has lots of other fables and morals and stuff like that but you you lose a lot of the the you know the the texture of of all these different cultures and their stories and fables and stuff like that if you put a moral slant on it. Man who farts in church sits in an old pew. <laughs> well, well, here's a good example. I'm uh. uh Going back to the Bible, Neil, there is actually a lost book of the Bible that was not canonized because it had a strong feminist message. Really? It's about basically there was a woman uh, apostle. Oh, I think I know what you're talking about. So 
it, it, it's 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 actually amazingly pro woman. Fuck yeah, for for yeah. something that was written in like uh, like uh, 100 A.D. Surprisingly so, because here's this woman that, that falls around Peter, and uh, Peter like tolerates her as a as a uh, as a, as a sidekick, but she's actually the star in this story where basically she's preaching Christianity and she's thrown in the Colosseum, mm-hmm. and uh, and a lioness protects her and kills all the other animals that try to attack her. Yeah. And then she, and then lightning kills the sharks in the water. She jumps into the water herself and uh, baptizes herself. Hmm. Okay. And by that point, Peter's already leaving town because he gave up on her. (laughs) And this is clearly a story written with an agenda, even back then. Oh yeah. And, and and that's the thing. It's, it's like when you do a, a cartoon like this and you're taking stories that have no agenda and you're putting a slant on them, then all of a sudden you're, you're, it, it becomes as comical as that, as that, as that non-canonized Bible story. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. That was ridiculous. I mean, this, this looked like it was done by the people who, who animated Arthur. It was. Oh... I remember that, the Arthur that, books when I was in. That Mike explains school. so much. I remember the Arthur books. It's don't have good memories, but I remember them. Yeah. I never read them. There was a guy in our class that did. He was a big fan of dolphins too. Dolphins. I don't know why I remember this. Anyways, uh, his name wasn't Chad Consalmo by any chance, was it? No. Very few people are going to understand that joke. I'll explain it later. You're looking it up. No, I'm not. Okay. <laughs> but anyways, uh, anyways, uh, that's that's our uh, that's our uh, that's our story on the Book of Virtues and most moral message cartoons. Uh, basically, like we said, South Park does it better. Yeah, and there are more Christian cartoons. I can't think of the names any off the top of my head, but I know that every every now and then I would get like this kind of twisted idea that I would go watch watch like TBN or something and see what they have on and i i know i've seen cartoons that are just as badly animated as this and they well, did they did still have stars in them like i i know i heard the voices of uh of rob paulson and uh and uh who's, who's the guy that has like the really who has the really high-pitched voice he did the voice of alpha and uh power rangers um uh, uh john boss no 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 um alpha invader zim oh okay Okay, I thought you were talking talking about the the Red Ranger that became a voice actor. No. No, that guy's actually pretty good. Um, Johnny Young Boss? Yeah. He does. He's he's all right. He's no Cam Clark. No, he's no Cam Clark. But, But, uh, God, I can't believe I I can't think of this guy's name. Hang on, I'll look it up. It's Invader Zim. Ay, 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 ay. And people are screaming the name at, at their podcast right now. His name is Richard Horvitz. Yeah, yeah. The, he he and Rob Paulson, a couple other popular voice actors, they've been in cartoons like this, and they they kind of don't talk about those cartoons. Well, there's lots of cartoons that are that are trying to be moral and stuff like that, or try to tell stories and and be educational. And the problem yeah. is when you when you when you say okay, we're going to be educational, and you like hire a teacher or or a professor to like spearhead it, it becomes this. 
Yeah. Another example of this is, have you ever heard of Liberty Kids, Neil? Yeah. Yeah, very vaguely I remember this. Okay. This is another cartoon that has Ben Stiller, Billy Crystal, Dustin Hoffman, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh my god. And the animation Wal- looks like shit. Yeah, Walter Cronkite. Oh, Walter, what have you done? Oh, Walter's for... Well, anyways... Uh... Hey, Walter Cronkite had some pretty good science channel programs. But anyways, uh, Liberty Kids is really weird to watch because the Revolutionary War was a really bloody-ass war. Mm -hmm. And yes, I'm going to use the term bloody-ass war. And here's this cartoon where, like, no one gets killed and people, like, brandish muskets and stuff. And it's like, no, this isn't how the Revolutionary War is. I mean, for for all its inaccuracies, the Patriot is more accurate. Yeah. You know, if you're if you're gonna like soften history like that, you might as well just watch uh, Time Squad. Well, Time and, Squad's actually funny. Yeah, Time Squad's actually funny and 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 entertaining, and uh, I don't know if I would call it educational because it's it, not. It does, it does kind of it does very liberally gloss over history. What Time Squad does is it has Mark Hamill voicing a gay C-3PO. <laughs> I think that's redundant. Okay, and it. Well, it's Mark Hamill doing it. But at the yeah. same time, the episode about the Revolutionary War had had it to where all the British, all the all the American revolutionaries were prissy uh, sissy boys drinking mm-hmm. British tea. Oh, this is the coffee episode. Yes, and 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 the kid was able to get them to become rough Americans by feeding them coffee. Yes, I, and I love how the kid on that cartoon is blatantly Sherman from the Peabody cartoon. Yes, and like I said, it's. Uh, so, so if you so historically accurate, fuck no, entertaining. No. Yes, I, I like the I like the sitting bull episode where he's he's kicking it to the curb and letting his hair out. And... It's actually a lot like Sherman because yeah. Sherman does that too. Yeah, because the episode about the Great Wall of China. Yeah, the guy who built the wall, he's starting to he's starting to plant seeds on the wall, mm-hmm. and and Sherman. You know, ask, gee, Mr. Peabody, what's he doing? And and Mr. And Mr. Peabody says he's planting walnuts. Uh. Or at the end of the episode about the uh, about the uh, uh, fountain of youth in Florida, Sherman stumbles upon a key. He's like, "What's this, Mr. Peabody?" And uh, Sherman says, well, "Congratulations, Sherman, you're now a landowner. You own one of the Florida Keys." <laughs> You know, back when Family Guy used to be funny, they did they did a skit based on uh, the old Peabody and Sherman cartoons, and it was it was pretty accurate. I, I have to give I have to give them credit for doing that. Yeah, this is going to be even more exciting than when Brian taught me about Christopher Columbus. Where are we going, Brian? Well, Peter, we're going to visit the year 1492. That's when Columbus set sail on his famous voyage to the New World. Hey, we're on a ship. That's right, Peter. This is the Santa Maria, one of three ships Columbus took to find a direct route to India. Any sign of India yet, fellas? Nothing yet, Captain. India? But I thought Columbus was going to America. On the contrary, Peter, Columbus discovered America entirely by mistake. Wow! It was one of one of the one of the times that I actually laughed out loud watching Family Guy. Actually, my favorite uh, Peabody and Sherman skit was actually from. Uh... Simpsons. I'm the first non-Brazilian guy to travel through time. Correction, oh. Homer, you're the second. That's right, Mr. Peabody. Quiet, you. <laughs> I forgot they were on Simpsons, yeah. So, yeah, tonight's episode of Animation Fish Knows was about friendship. And it was brought to you by the letter F.
Fuck you. Anyways, (laughs) it's your host, Ben. With TV's Mr. Neal. And we're saying, watch South Park instead. Good night. I'll let you decide whether or not to trim some of that Christianity stuff. I don't know. Do you like retro shows? Did you grow up in either the 80s or the 90s? Then tune into Telecast, geekcastradio.com's newest podcast. Join us here on the Telecast as we revisit some of your favorite shows, such as Clarissa Explains It All, Salute Your Shorts, Saved by the Bell, and much, much more, only on geekcastradio.com. Are you looking for a weekly dose of gaming news and retro? And check out Off the Cuff, available Fridays on GeekCast Radio Network from the producers of XRG. New name, same By the power of Grayskull, I command the Jawbridge. Open! Yes, that's right. We have traveled to Eternia to enter Castle Grayskull. Join Optimus Solo and TF2 and Mike as they find themselves telling tales of Eternia. We cover all things He-Man in this 45-episode-long podcast. You can find us on iTunes and www.geekassradio.com. By the power of Grayskull, we all have the power. And now, back to the show. Oh, you know what we didn't bring up? Hysteria. Hysteria wasn't the best thing they've ever done. No, it really wasn't. It was actually kind of going downhill. Yeah, that was like toward the end, the end of that run. Yes, toward the end of the Civil Steven Spielberg Presents era. Yeah, it's a shame that it went that way. The Cat and Birdie. The Warner I, oh, Rooney. I actually had that. I actually had the name of the show memorized at one point. The Cat and Birdie Warner Rooney. The Cat and Bunny Warner Rooney. No. Cat and Birdie. I think it. Yeah, it was Cat and Birdie at one time, and then and then they, and then they added more stuff to it, so they changed the name of it. It was like the Cat and Bunny Warner Rooney Super Looney Big Cartoony Show. I think that was it. The Cat and Birdie Warner Rooney Pinky Brainy Big Cartoony Show. Yeah. Well, like I said, they expanded it. See that that just makes it sound like it's like, uh, Sylvester and Tweety mysteries combined with uh with Pinky and the Brain, but they actually added like Tiny Tunes and Animaniacs and. Actually, they added original Looney Tunes to it as well. So at one point, that show was huge. Okay, here here's the na- here's the final name. Yeah, Ken Ver- Bunny, Warner Rooney Super Looney Big Cartoony Show. Yeah, that's that's what I had, that's what I said earlier. And you know what? That makes me sad because Bugs Bunny and Tweety Show was actually better. Yeah, because it was the same concept, but it worked better because the actual opening was better. Yeah, and it had Mel Blanc. Yeah. You know what the best? You know Jerry Seinfeld actually performed the whole song. What was it? From Bugs Bunny and Tweety. Oh, really? Yeah. We're gonna see Overture. Overture, curtains, lights. This is it. We'll hit the high. What heights will hit? On with the show. This is it. You know, it is so sad. All your knowledge of high culture comes from Bugs Bunny cartoons. I love how the people that are laughing actually saw that show so they get the joke. Yeah. And I can't believe that he actually, like, said, I want to do this. And, and they said, yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, how awesome was that? That was pretty awesome. Do you respect Jerry Seinfeld a little bit more now? Oh, I've always respected Jerry Seinfeld. 
But after that, yeah, a little bit more. Yeah, it, it's just so it's just so great that here's this guy that's uh that that that, that that's like famous and and shit and and he's like giving a shout out to something that's <laughs> and doing it better than someone like Doug Walker would do. Right, with class. Yeah, with class. Well, Doug Walker's that famous. <laughs> well, he's not famous. What's that mean? Not famous. <laughs> We're gonna do an episode about the death of Saturday morning. I was looking at some of the stuff that CBS used to broadcast. They had some weird practices back in the eighties. I mean, they they did that Mazes and Monsters movie, and then same network bought the Dungeons and Dragons cartoon. And then remember Richard Pryor had a Saturday morning program. I mean, and Richard Pryor is more adult than than Paul Rubens. No, it was called Pryor's Place. And then they got they got like strange ideas like there was a there was a Dukes of Hazard cartoon. I don't know why. The, 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 the show was about them running booze. Yeah. I mean, that doesn't work. But I can under, I can sort of understand the logic because because there were a lot of kids who watched the Dukes of Hazard and what the kids always what the kids they always watched fucking Daisy Duke. That and they were watching this this ridiculous car that could like that could. That for some reason there were ramps all over Hazard County and it would like leap like eight eight or nine feet into the air and somehow always land and never break. Or or actually it did. You would always see the car like physically break when it hit the ground. And then, and then it would change it, it was a jump cut too. <laughs> yeah, and then and then the car was fine. <laughs> they must have destroyed <laughs> so many Dodge Chargers on that show. That's a crime against Dodge. Actually the Dodge Charger's an ugly ass car. Go for it. <laughs> Not a fan of the Dodge Charger. How about you? I don't know. I, I, Your dad was a car mechanic. Yeah, but I, I was—I never really shared his interest in in cars. Ah, uh, I mean, I, I was okay with the with the Dukes of Harris, the the General Lee. Generally speaking. <laughs> generally speaking. Yes. Oh damn! This is a bullshit article. This is all. This is. It's Big Hero Six. This is this is just gonna be otaku bullshit. This isn't gonna be good. I mean, Big Hero Six is a, is is one of those books drawn to look manga esque. Oh, wow! The only character I recognize here is Sil- Silver Samurai, and the only reason I recognize him is because he was in Children of the Atom. Yeah, I don't get this. Oh yeah, this is like faux manga. This is. It's the way manga is not supposed to look. All right, Neil, you need to start watching more cartoons. Quick. I, you got to binge on Fairy Tale tomorrow. Binge! Can you binge? I can try. You can talk, you can talk, you can talk, you can talk. I can sing! Yes, yes. You know what? Dr. Zayas? I know. Have you ever seen any of the Planet of the Apes sequels? Uh, where there's an underground uh, civilization that worship an unexploded nuclear bomb. Yeah, and no, never seen it. <laughs> What's funny about that movie is like it, the the story was centered around another character, so it was like, guess what? One of the other astronauts survived, and it's like his story. And I'm like, oh, I guess what they couldn't get Chuck Heston back. And then at the very end of the movie, Chuck Heston shows up. I'm like, what? <laughs> what? What was that about? It was. It's kind of like how, how Smokey and the Bandit three. You know, you you think that like they, Smokey is the Bandit. Yeah, you think that that the reason they did it is because they couldn't get Burt Reynolds. 
But then Burt Reynolds shows up at the end, and it's like, wait, why did you do that? That would be like if Burt Reynolds showed up at the end of All Dogs Go to Heaven 2. Well, it's like, uh, you know, I always confuse Smoking the Bandit with Cannonball Run. <laughs> why is that funny? I don't know. It's 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 kind of the same thing. It's, it's Burt Reynolds <laughs> in a car. So it's easily understandable. It's it's easily understandable. You were laughing like those are completely wait. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Cannonball Run is the one where. What's the difference? Cannonball Run had a more uh, uh, had a, had a, an ensemble cast. So Smoking the Bandit was just Burt Reynolds. Yeah, it was Burt Reynolds and uh, who's that country singer? It was. Uh, Patsy Klein? No, no, no. It was uh, Dolly Parton. No, it, a male. It was a a male singer. The guy, the guy who was driving the truck. George Strait. God damn it! I'm gonna have to look it up. And I should know this because he was on an. Roy Campbell. He was on an episode of Scooby Doo. Um, uh, not Roy Campbell. You know, you make it harder for me to guess when you keep doing that. <laughs> Jerry Reed. You know what? I never heard of him. <laughs> Apparently he was something at one time because they had him on Scooby-Doo. Wait, that really doesn't mean anything. <laughs> you caught yourself. You caught yourself there. Yeah. You were almost about to. Okay, I just want to make sure my computer's because it shouldn't slow down. I have so much RAM on this thing, and I have a night got an i7 processor on here. I shouldn't be having any slowdowns. Something, something's happening here. What well, is ain't exactly clear. There's a man with a gun over there. He's telling me I got to beware. And I didn't even think you knew that kind of music, Neil. Of course I did. Kind of soft for your style, It though. is kind of soft, but I like old 70s music. They don't really write music like that anymore, so whenever I whenever I show people that actually know songs like that, they, they're always surprised. <laughs> well, like, actually, I, more I, people I are surprised just, I know it. It's like, you know, I'd be, I'd be into music like that now if they wrote music like that now. Every now and then I'll, I'll whip out Fogarty. People are like, you know Fogarty? I'm like, of course I do. Shut up. At least you didn't whip out some Bieber. You know some Bieber? No. You know, I don't think I've actually heard a single song of his ever. I did, but it was sung by a cover band. And I think what it is is I, I stay away from, like, Toon Disney and all these, like, channels for kids. So I, I've avoided Bieber. You know what the funny thing is? Uh... uh like the longest uh, time I, I got away with like never hearing an Avril Lavigne song. Oh, that that's that's Nickelodeon. Yeah. Do you know do you know, who, do you know about Fred? No. You don't know about Fred? Oh my God, Fred! The, the actual guy's name was Lucas Cruikshank, and what he did was he created this character online called Fred, where basically it's him, but he's speaking, but he speaks of his voice and he acts like he's a uh, six-year-old. That's that's on speed. It's like, hi, my name's Fred. I forgot my beds today. And he does vids where he goes crazy and shit. Yeah. And Nickelodeon made three movies about him. Oh, it's... called Fred the Movie, Fred Two, Night of the Living Fred, and Fred Three Camp Fred. You know, I've I've seen these guys before doing other cover songs. Uh huh. I I recognize this. Yeah, cover tune grab bag. They're awesome. Yeah. That's Justin Bieber song. And I think that's going to be the closest I come to listening to Bieber <laughs> for quite some time. 
Uh, I can, if I can help it, I'll continue to avoid him. You know, I can't find the picture anymore, but somebody did a side-by-side picture with him and Vanilla Ice from, like, back in the 90s. And they have, like, the, the same hairstyle. Uh, Star right. Trek in the Darkness. Okay. It's an action movie set in the Star Trek universe. Okay. It was a very entertaining action movie, but... Is it wrong for me to say I miss the cerebral edge Star Trek used to have? I don't know. I mean, I, I know you're not a huge Star Trek guy, Neil, but it's like, you know, back when there was, uh, when they had, you know, cool episodes like, uh, well, you know what I mean? It's it's that, it's that cerebral edge, like uh, so, sometimes, uh, you know, a good example is when the you know the motion picture is a little too cerebral, a little less actiony, and and some people say that Wrath of Khan was too actiony, but I I think Wrath of Khan had some cerebralism in there that some people just didn't understand yet, and I'm really missing that cerebral edge that Star Trek used to have, you know, where where it asks you questions about the human experience and and stuff like that. It's like when it questions whether or not Data is, is a person. Right, or, or the question of, you know, how we deal with death is as important as how we deal with life. or mm-hmm. and, and, and things like that. Things that, that that sort of drive home or what is life? Like Star Trek The Motion Picture tried to ask that question, what is life? And it, uh, you know, what does it mean to find the creator? And, and things like that. It's, it's, it's... <laughs> what does God need with a starship? Okay, I'll take a hit there. <laughs> but but overall, it's it's kind of weird that, you know, it's like you blink and, and, and it, it's like Star Trek became Star Wars. I don't know if it could be that dumbed down. <laughs> uh, I mean, you need there's... some pretty dull scenes to get it down to that level. Well, action-y Star Wars. And anyways, uh, a good example of this is is uh, some spoiler alerts for our listeners. The villain is Khan. Khan. Actually, they they do they do that. Oh God. Actually, it's uh, it, it's 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 worse than you think, Neil. Because they do the whole thing about you know the engines have to be restarted or everyone will be dead and 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 someone has to go in there and realign the engine. And die of radiation, mm-hmm. but this time it's Kirk, not Spock. Uh-huh. And, they do, and they do they they do the whole they do that whole scene exactly, except the the roles are reversed. You know, you know, don't you'll flood the whole compartment, and and they're both sitting next to the glass and touch the glass and and then it's Spock that shouts Khan. Interesting. <laughs> I, I I almost wanted to start laughing. And I wasn't sure that that was a polite thing to do because I, I see where they were going with it. You know, new timeline, things can change and stuff. And it's like, and, and, and there's supposed to be like a cosmic irony at the scene, but I, I, I don't know. It, it's like, it's like, remember when this happened before? Well, it's happening again, just little different. And, uh, and the main villain is is not Khan. It's a it's a it's a Starfleet admiral that's played by RoboCop. <laughs> I don't remember his name. Uh, it'll take me a minute, but it'll come to me. 
Peter Weller. Yes, yes. So RoboCop wants to militarize Starfleet because that works so well for Detroit. And uh, <laughs> and so he, he finds Khan and thaws him out to uh, te- teach him how to build weapons. And yeah. Okay. Yeah, it, it's it, it, because the whole thing is like this, you know. I can kind of see where they're going with it because, you know, Khan's supposed to be a genetically enhanced and a genius and all that. But let's say you, you take Nikolai Tesla from the time stream. He, he was like a fucking genius back then, right? Yeah. Let's say you pluck him from the time stream, put him, put him, put him right in the GE right now. How useful would he be? Um, I don't know. Probably not very useful. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. It's like, okay, yes, Khan was a genius, and he's from late twentieth century, and and he built a sleeper ship and all that. That that's kind of cool, but you know that doesn't mean he can. That doesn't mean if you show him how the technology works, he'd just instantly be able to make it a hundred times better, which is pretty much what they stated. <laughs> it's like I was thinking to myself the Nikolai Tesla thing. It's like you know if you take Nikolai Tesla, you know right when he was at his peak. And, and bring him over here now and throw him in the GE. I mean, he'd be taking ten years just to catch up. Yeah, he'd he'd be like, "This is all magic." <laughs> There's a box with a picture on it that moves. What is this? No, it's not even a box anymore. It's just something you can hang on your wall. Yeah. <laughs> you can touch and you manipulate with your fingertips. Yeah, it's. And, and that's the thing, you know, it, it, he, he would, and that's what I'm looking at with Khan. Okay, so you show Khan how warp drive works, and then he'll make a warp drive that works ten times better or something. How how's that work? I don't know. It doesn't. And I, I just, I mean, I get what they're trying to say, that they're trying to militarize Starfleet and they need someone like Khan, but at the same time, I look at it, I'm like, if, if they tried something else, like saying, you know, using remnants from the first film, saying that they were able to, to you know, th- this evil, more militaristic element of Starfleet, which actually is in, in former uh, Star Trek canon, known as Section 31, like a super black ops Starfleet section, like grabbed a piece of uh, the computer data from, uh, from Spock's ship from the first movie and was ex- to able to extrapolate what 24th century technology was and started to try to recreate that, then you'll be not, then you'd have something, you know, because they're, they're, then you'd be like, you know, Hmm. Yeah. That, that's the technology that could fight the Borg. You know, that, that, that'd be kind of kick-ass. Mm-hmm. And, and the, 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 then you'd have some wheels on this whole, this whole uh, train of, of here's the, here's the evil Starfleet, the, you know, remnants trying to, trying to use you know super advanced technology and it would tie directly into the first film i mean it's you know con you know bendick to cumberland great job playing him completely different vibe than ricardo montalban because ricardo montalban walks in and he's all smiles and charming that's that's how he played con you know what i'm talking what i'm talking about yeah he walks in and he charms the pants out of everyone in the room because what he's trying to do is he's trying to like he's trying to get people on his side. You know, if you ever watch Spacey, that's how he was. He's he's just oozing charm. And then he and then here later on you're going in, into this and this con is a very different con. He's he's very very terse. He's very very dark and he, you can just 
you instantly don't trust him and you instantly can tell that he's playing the room. And yes, you listen to him, but at the same time, you never really get charmed by him. So it's a very different con, and it's and and like I said, it, this is a this is an action movie in a in a Star Trek universe, and maybe that's what today's audiences want. I suppose. And that that's really what I want to say because that's what it feels like. It feels like <coughs> it feels like that's what they did. They they just turned turned into a action movie with. I mean, the most interesting part of the story was the first, you know, the opening act, you know, the, the opening before they even got to the credits mm-hmm. was this whole story about Kirk doing Kirk's mission to to survey a planet. And it felt like classic Star Trek there because Kirk is trying to because Kirk finds out that the planet civilization will be wiped out by a super volcano. So Kirk decides to 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 you know basically basically use science fiction to turn the, t- turn the volcano off and at that and by the fact that the the enterprise directly intervenes this civilization which would be wiped out sees the enterprise and decides that and and, and so he breaks the prime directive right which is very which is classic star trek shit and 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 this goes into the whole prime directive thing, where basically Kirk is reprimanded for it, even though Kirk points out, you know, this whole civilization would would have been wiped out, and it, it, it you know it'd be better for them to be changed than be killed. Right. And 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 the response he got back was basically about you can't intervene with the destiny of the universe or something like that it's like these are supposed to be very sciencey people and neil yeah it's what do you say to that as 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 an atheist what do you say to that the idea that that there's this will of the universe that that scientifically you cannot intervene or help a a a sentient culture the will of the universe yes that sounds like nonsense to me I mean, I mean, logically, wouldn't it be better for that civilization to continue changed by the fact that they see an advanced civilization for a split second? Yeah. And, and but like I said, at least it's making this part, this first five minutes is making you do that deep Star Trek shit where you're trying to talk about that versus the rest of it, which is an action movie. And, and it's like it's making me go, hmm. It feels like the first five minutes was written by someone else. <laughs> and and but there are flaws in trying to be too Star Trekky in a Star Trek movie. It's uh, Insurrection. Uh-huh. Insurrection felt like I paid for to watch an episode of TNG. And not a very good one. <laughs> no. Um But but still you have to you know, Star Trek is supposed to be about that. It's supposed to be about you know this this uh, the, this great uh, you know, this great faith in humanity in in the fact that we can do these great things and put our sorrow differences and explore explore the stars and find new things and 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 expand what we are beyond that and 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 then we got an action movie, right? And it is a good action movie. I'm sure it is. 
I did enjoy it. And the people playing the, the Star Trek characters are playing the characters as they would be. It's just they're in an action movie. I mean, where are you going to go see it? Uh, I'll probably wait till it's, till it's released on some sort of video format, whether it's like DVD or if I could just watch it on TV someday. Okay. But I'm not a I'm not a big theater goer. I know. I know. But it's this was a free movie for me, so Oh, it can't be free. Nope. But that that's my experience with Star Trek into Darkness. And one thing I have to do say is they did would cut way down the lens flares. Oh good. Right. <laughs> there there was hardly any lens flare. I didn't even notice it. That's good. Maybe somebody pulled him aside, J.J. Abrams, said, uh, yeah, you should really stop doing that. I think they did. Good. Because he, because he hasn't started directing Star Trek at that point, Star Wars at that point yet. Remember? Ooh. Yeah, it was probably Lasseter. He's like, yeah, you're you're not going to be doing that, uh, that lens flare thing, are you? I mean, as soon as he goes into Star Wars, then all of a sudden we'll get lens flares all up the way. Yeah, I, I can see that happening. 